chapter thirty of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty a chieftain to the highlands bound cries boatman do not tarry and i'll give thee a silver pound to row us o'er the ferry lord uhland's daughter the sky had been without a cloud during the day the gale having been dry and piercing and thousands of stars were now shining through a chill atmosphere as the eye therefore became accustomed to the change of light it obtained a more distinct view of surrounding objects at the head of the line that was stretched along the narrow pathway marched a platoon of the marines who maintained the regular and steady front of trained warriors they were followed at some little distance by a large and confused body of seamen heavily armed whose disposition to disorder and rude merriment which became more violent from their treading on solid ground was with difficulty restrained by the presence and severe rebukes of their own officers in the centre of this confused mass the whole of the common prisoners were placed but were not otherwise attended to by their nautical guard than as they furnished the subjects of fun and numberless quaint jokes at some distance in their rear marched colonel howard and burrowcliffe arm in arm both maintaining the most rigid and dignified silence though under the influence of very bitter feelings behind these again and pressing as nigh as possible to her uncle was miss howard leaning on the arm of alice dunscombe and surrounded by the female domestics of the establishment of st ruth catherine plowden moved lightly by herself in the shadow of this group with elastic steps but with a maiden coyness that taught her to veil her satisfaction with the semblance of captivity barnstable watched her movements with delight within six feet of her but submitted to the air of caprice in his mistress which seemed to require that he should come no nearer griffith avoiding the direct line of the party walked on its skirts in such a situation that his eye could command its whole extent in order if necessary to direct the movements another body of the marines marched at the close of the procession and manuel in person brought up the rear the music had ceased by command and nothing was now audible but the regular tread of the soldiers with the sighs of the dying gale interrupted occasionally by the voice of an officer or the hum of low dialogue this has been a scotch prize that we've taken muttered a surly old seaman a ship without head money or cargo there was kitchen timber enough in the old jug of a place to have given an outfit in crockery and knee buckles to every lad in the ship but no let a man's mouth water ever so much for food and raiment damning if the officers would give him leave to steal even so good a thing as a spare bible you may say all that and then make but a short yarn of the truth returned the messmate who walked by his side if there had been such a thing as a ready-made prayer handy they would have choused a poor fellow out of the use of it i say ben i'll tell you what it's my opinion that if a chap is to turn soldier and carry a musket he should have soldiers play and leave to plunder a little now the devil a thing have i laid my hands on to-night except this firelock and my cut lash 
unless you can call this bit of a tablecloth something of a windfall ay you have fallen in there with a fresh bolt of duck i see said the other in manifest admiration of the texture of his companion's prize why it would spread as broad a clue as our mizzen royal if it was loosened well your luck hasn't been every man's luck for my part i think this here hat was made for some fellow's great toe i've rigged it on my head both fore and aft and athwart ships but curse the inch can i drive it down i say sam you'll give us a shirt off that tablecloth ay ay you can have one corner of it or for that matter you can take the full half nick but i don't see that we go off to the ship any richer than we landed unless you may muster she-cattle among your prize-money no richer interrupted a waggish young sailor who had been hitherto a silent listener to the conversation between his older and more calculating shipmates i think we are set up for a cruise in them seas where the day watches last six months don't you see we have caught a double allowance of midnight while speaking he laid his hands on the bare and woolly heads of colonel howard's two black slaves who were moving near him both occupied in mournful forebodings on the results that were to flow from this unexpected loss of their liberty slew your faces this way gentlemen he added there don't you think that a sight to put out the binnacle lamps there's darkness visible for ye let the niggers alone grumbled one of the more aged speakers what are ye skylarking with the like of them for the next thing they'll sing out and then you'll hear one of the officers in your wake for my part nick i can't see why it is that we keep dodging along shore here with less than ten fathoms under us when by stretching into the broad atlantic we might fall in with a jamaica man every day or two and have sugar hogsheads and rum puncheons as plenty aboard us as hard fare is now it is all owing to that pilot returned the other for d'ye see if there was no bottom there would be no pilots this is dangerous cruising ground where we stretch into five fathoms and then drop our lead on a sand-pit or a rock besides they make night work of it too if we had daylight for fourteen hours instead of seven a man might trust to feeling his way for the other ten well now ain't ye a couple of old horse marines again interrupted the young sailor don't you see that congress wants us to cut up johnny bull's coasters and that old blowhard has found the days too short for his business and so he has landed a party to get hold of night here we have him and when we get off to the ship we shall put him under hatches and then you'll see the face of the sun again come my lilies let those two gentlemen look into your cabin windows what you won't then i must squeeze your woollen nightcaps for you the negroes who had been submitting to his humours with the abject humility of slavery now gave certain low intimations that they were suffering pain under the rough manipulation of their tormentor what's that cried a stern voice whose boyish tones seemed to mock the air of authority that was assumed by the speaker who's that i say raising that cry among you the wilful young man slowly removed his two hands from the woolly poles of the slaves but as he suffered them to fall reluctantly along their sable temples he gave the ear of one of the blacks a tweak that caused him to give vent to another cry that was uttered with a much greater confidence of sympathy than before do ye hear there repeated mary who's skylarking with those negroes tis no one sir the sailor answered with affected gravity one of the pale faces has hid his shin against the cobweb and it has made his ear ache 
harkee you mr jack joker how came you in the midst of the prisoners did not i order you to handle your pikes sir and to keep in the outer line ay ay sir you did and i obeyed orders as long as i could but these niggers have made the night so dark that i lost my way a low laugh passed through the confused crowd of seamen and even the midshipman might have been indulging himself in a similar manner at this specimen of quaint humour from the fellow who was one of those licensed men that are to be found in every ship at length well sir he said you have found out your false reckoning now so get you back to the place where i bid you stay ay ay sir i'm going by all the blunders in the purser's book mr mary but that cobweb has made one of these niggers shed tears do let me stay to catch a little ink sir to write a letter with to my poor old mother devil the line has she had from me since we sailed from the chesapeake if you don't mind me at once mr jack joker i'll lay my cutlass over your head returned mary his voice now betraying a much greater sympathy in the sufferings of that abject race who are still in some measure but who formerly were much more the butts of the unthinking and licentious among our low countrymen then ye can write your letter in red ink if ye will i wouldn't do it for the world said joker sneaking away towards his proper station the old lady wouldn't forget the hand and swear it was a forgery i wonder though if the breakers on the coast of guinea be black as i've heard old seamen say who have cruised in them latitudes his idle levity was suddenly interrupted by a voice that spoke above the low hum of the march with an air of authority and a severity of tone that could always quell by a single word the most violent ebullition of merriment in the crew the low buzzing sounds of ay there goes mr griffith and of jack has woke up the first lieutenant he had better now go to sleep himself were heard passing among the men but these suppressed communications soon ceased and even jack joker himself pursued his way with diligence on the skirts of the party as mutely as if the power of speech did not belong to his organization the reader has too often accompanied us over the ground between the abbey and the ocean to require any description of the route pursued by the seamen during the preceding characteristic dialogue and we shall at once pass to the incidents which occurred on the arrival of the party at the cliffs as the man who had so unexpectedly assumed a momentary authority within st ruth had unaccountably disappeared from among them griffith continued to exercise the right of command without referring to any other for consultation he never addressed himself to barnstable and it was apparent that both the haughty young men felt that the tie which had hitherto united them in such close intimacy was for the present at least entirely severed indeed griffith was only restrained by the presence of cecilia and catherine from arresting his refractory inferior on the spot and barnstable who felt all the consciousness of error without its proper humility with difficulty so far repressed his feelings as to forbear exhibiting in the presence of his mistress such a manifestation of his spirit as his wounded vanity induced him to imagine was necessary to his honour the two however acted in harmony on one subject though it was without concert or communication the first object with both the young men was to secure the embarkation of the fair cousins and barnstable proceeded instantly to the boats in order to hasten the preparations that were necessary before they could receive these unexpected captives the descent of the pilot having been made in such force as to require the use of all the frigate's boats which were left riding in the outer edge of the surf awaiting the return of the expedition 
a loud call from barnstable gave notice to the officer in command and in a few moments the beach was crowded with the busy and active crews of the cutters launches barges jolly-boats pinnaces or by whatever names the custom of the times attached to the different attendants of vessels of war had the fears of the ladies themselves been consulted the frigate's launch would have been selected for their use on account of its size but barnstable who would have thought such a choice on his part humiliating to his guests ordered the long low barge of captain munson to be drawn upon the sand it being peculiarly the boat of honour the hands of fifty men were applied to the task and it was soon announced to colonel howard and his wards that the little vessel was ready for their reception manuel had halted on the summit of the cliffs with the whole body of the marines where he was busily employed in posting pickets and sentinels and giving the necessary instructions to his men to cover the embarkation of the seamen in a style that he conceived to be altogether military the mass of the common prisoners including the inferior domestics of the abbey and the men of Cliff were also held in the same place under a suitable guard but colonel howard and his companion attended by the ladies and their own maids had descended the rugged path to the beach and were standing passively on the sands when the intelligence that the boat waited for them was announced where is he asked alice dunscombe turning her head as if anxiously searching for some other than those around her where is who inquired barnstable we are all here and the boat waits and will he tear me even me from the home of my infancy the land of my birth and my affections i know not of whom you speak madam but if it be of mr griffith he stands there just without that cluster of seamen griffith hearing himself thus named approached the ladies and for the first time since leaving the abbey addressed them i hope i am already understood he said and that it is unnecessary for me to say that no female here is a prisoner though should any choose to trust themselves on board our ship i pledge them to the honour of an officer that they shall find themselves protected and safe then will i not go said alice it is not expected of you said cecilia you have no ties to bind you to any here the eyes of alice were still wandering over the listeners go then miss alice and be the mistress of st ruth until my return or she added timidly until colonel howard may declare his pleasure i obey you dear child but the agent of colonel howard at b will undoubtedly be authorized to take charge of his effects while no one but his niece alluded to his will the master of the abbey had found in his resentment a sufficient apology for his rigid demeanour but he was far too well bred to bear in silence such a modest appeal to his wishes from so fair and so loyal a subject as alice dunscombe to relieve you madam and for no other reason will i speak on this subject he said otherwise i should leave the doors and windows of st ruth open as a melancholy monument of rebellion and seek my future compensation from the crown when the confiscated estates of the leaders of this accursed innovation on the rights of princes shall come to the hammer but you miss alice are entitled to every consideration that a lady can expect from a gentleman be pleased therefore to write to my agent and request him to seal up my papers and transmit them to the office of his majesty's secretary of state they breathe no treason madam and are entitled to official protection the house and most of the furniture as you know are the property of my landlord who in due time will doubtless take charge of his own interests i kiss your hand miss alice and i hope we shall yet meet at st james's depend on it madam that the royal charlotte shall yet honour your merits i know she cannot but estimate your loyalty here i was born in humble obscurity here i have lived and here i hope to die in quiet returned the meek alice if i have known any pleasure in late years beyond that which every christian can find in our daily duties it has been my sweet friends in your accidental society 
such companions in this remote corner of the kingdom has been a boon too precious to be enjoyed without alloy it seems and i have now to exchange the past pleasure for present pain adieu my young friend let your trust be in him to whose eyes both prince and peasant the european and the american are alike and we shall meet again though it be neither in the island of britain nor on your own wide continent that said colonel howard advancing and taking her hand with kindness that is the only disloyal sentiment i have ever heard fall from the lips of miss alice dunscombe is it to be supposed that heaven has established orders among men and that it does not respect the works of its own formation but adieu no doubt if time was allowed us for suitable explanations we should find but little or no difference of opinion on this subject alice did not appear to consider the matter as worthy of further discussion at such a moment for she gently returned the colonel's leave-taking and then gave her undivided attention to her female friend cecilia wept bitterly on the shoulder of her respected companion giving vent to her regret at parting and her excited feelings at the same moment and catherine pressed to the side of alice with the kindliness prompted by her warm but truant heart their embraces were given and received in silence and each of the young ladies moved towards the boat as she withdrew herself from the arms of miss dunscombe colonel howard would not precede his wards neither would he assist them into the barge that attention they received from barnstable who after seeing the ladies and their attendants seated turned to the gentlemen and observed the boat waits well miss alice said burrowcliffe in bitter irony you are entrusted by our excellent host with a message to his agent will you do a similar service to me and write a report to the commander of the district and just tell him what a dolt i use the plainest terms and say what an ass one captain burrowcliffe has proved himself in this affair you may throw in by way of episode that he has been playing bo-peep with a rebellious young lady from the colonies and like a great boy has had his head broken for his pains come my worthy host or rather fellow-prisoner i follow you as in duty bound stay cried griffith captain burrowcliffe does not embark in that boat ha sir am i to be herded with the common men forget you that i have the honour to bear the commission of his britannic majesty and that i forget nothing that a gentleman is bound to remember captain burrowcliffe among other things i recollect the liberality of your treatment to myself when a prisoner the instant the safety of my command will justify such a step not only you but your men shall be set at liberty burrowcliffe started in surprise but his feelings were too much soured by the destruction of those visions of glory in which he had been luxuriously indulging for the last day or two to admit of his answering as became a man he swallowed his emotions therefore by a violent effort and walked along the beach affecting to whistle a low but lively air well then cried barnstable all our captives are seated the boat waits only for its officers in his turn griffith walked away in haughty silence as if disdaining to hold communion with his former friend barnstable paused a moment from a deference that long habit had created for his superior officer and which was not to be shaken off by every burst of angry passion but perceiving that the other had no intention to return he ordered the seaman to raise the boat from the sand and bear it bodily into the water the command was instantly obeyed and by the time the young lieutenant was in his seat the barge was floating in the still heavy though no longer dangerous surf and the crew sprang into their places bear her off boys he cried never mind a wet jacket i've seen many a worthy fellow tumbling on this beach in a worse time than this now you have her head to see give way my souls give way the seamen rose simultaneously at their oars and by an united effort obtained the command of their boat which after making a few sudden ascents and as many heavy pitches in the breakers gained the smoother seas of the swelling ocean and stemmed the waters in a direction for the place where the alacrity was supposed to be in waiting End of chapter thirty